0: Jonah reluctantly travels to Nineveh and warns the citizens of God's judgment. When they heed his warning and repent, God spares them. A reading from the book of Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days' walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, Put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Be, God. A reading from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. I mean, brothers and sisters, The appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they have none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Thanks, God.
1: The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And and immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in the boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and followed him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. It's sort of a sport among clergy people to read the lessons assigned in the lectionary and see if we can figure out what the designers of the lectionary had in mind that all of these stories have in common with one another. All of these are calls. Um, We heard in our collect um, the prayer that we should answer readily the call of Jesus Christ. And so these two stories, at least the Old Testament and the Gospel, are stories of people being called. Um, I think the Corinthians is also a call for us away from the world or disengagement with it somehow. I'm not sure that the lectionary uh, designers had this in mind, but the Old Testament and the New Testament also have in common fish. Fish. Now, you know the story of Jonah, right? Jonah, um, God came to Jonah and said, go to Nineveh and preach. Now, Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and so Israel's implacable enemy. Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh to preach, so he goes down to the seacoast and catches a boat to Spain, um, the opposite direction from Nineveh. God brings up a big storm on the sea. Jonah is in the hold of the boat asleep. Um, the sailors are getting very distressed they determine that somebody's god must be angry whose god is it jonah wakes up and says um that would be me um i'm running away from my god so they do everything they can they throw the grain the cargo over, overboard they throw the tackle overboard still nothing works and so jonah says well i'm afraid you're going to have to you're going to have to throw me overboard so they pray that god will not hold them accountable for it they throw jonah overboard And God, of course, brings a big fish to swallow Jonah. He's three days in the belly of the fish. Then the the fish vomits him up on the shore, and God says to him, Okay, let's try this again. Go to Nineveh. He says, Okay, I'll go to Nineveh. He's not a very enthusiastic preacher. Nineveh is three days' journey across. He walks one day into the city and preaches what has to be the shortest evangelical sermon on record. Forty days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. They're convinced. They put sackcloth and ashes on. They call a fast. We left out some verses. It says they even report to the king what's been going on. The king puts the whole city in sackcloth and ashes, including the animals. God wants the animal, or the king wants the animals to fast. Jonah, hoping that God will follow through on his promise to destroy Nineveh, heads out to the east of the city and sits under a cucumber plant to pout. He waits 40 days, and God does not destroy Nineveh. And he says to God, See, I told you, why did you send me here to preach to these people? You haven't done what you said. God that night causes a worm to come and the plant to die. Jonah is really mad the next morning when the sun is shining and he stomps his foot and pouts again. And God says, do you do well to be angry over this plant? And Jonah says, yes, angry enough to die. And God says, you didn't do anything for this plant. You didn't plant it. You didn't water it. You didn't take care of it. And if today it's here and tomorrow it's gone, why should you be angry? And should I not care? about Nineveh, that great city with 120,000 people and also much cattle. And that's the way the story ends. God is concerned about the cattle. God is in the business of making community, not destroying. And so if people listen, so the story goes, God will relent. Even our worst enemies is the point of the story in Jonah. Jonah reluctantly goes, but um, he is very successful despite himself. Of course, the story in the New Testament, in the Gospel, is much different. Simon and Andrew, Jesus is walking along the shore. They're fishing. He says, Follow me. And without any reluctance, they do. Now, we're told that they were throwing with two hands, is what the word is in Greek, their net into the sea. So they're not wealthy fishermen, they don't have a boat. Imagine them standing up to their their thighs in the water, throwing the net into the sea. They've probably been taxed off their land. Roman law says that you couldn't own the seashore. Um, That was anybody could live there. You couldn't tax the fish in the sea. Once you'd taken them out of the sea and transported them along the road, then they could be taxed. But if you lived down at the seashore, you could subsistence fish And no one could do anything about it. So there were probably folks down there who've been pushed out of every other structure that supported them. So Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. That's a weird thing. Who wants to fish for people? But it's attractive to them. They up and go. James and John, a different story. They're a little more wealthy. Dad owns a boat has hired hands. Jesus comes along and says, follow me, and they do. The only time in Mark's gospel that we see the disciples preaching is when Jesus sends them out two by two. And this is what he tells them. Go to whatever town will have you, stay in whatever house will keep you, eat what they put in front of you, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and proclaim the kingdom." So that's what it must mean to be fishers of people, to gather those folks who have been pushed out of meal fellowship and bring them to the table. Whatever house will take you, doesn't matter whether they've paid their taxes or not. Whatever they put in front of you, doesn't matter if it's kosher or not. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, proclaim the kingdom. The word for mending nets is a very rare word in the New Testament. It occurs in one other place, and that is right at the beginning of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, which we've been reading. Paul says, I hear that there are schisms among you, tears, rips. So be mended into one mind. And then he goes on through the rest of the course of this letter to tell them how to be mended, to keep community together. So maybe what it means to be a fisher of people is to gather folks into community, to set up a network of relationships between them. The story I told last week about the woman who walked in for the shawl ministry just as if she owned the place and thought she belonged, maybe that's what we're called to do. Make this a place where folks belong, where folks are connected. So whatever other safety net has sort of let them go, we can catch them. Maybe that's what it means to be fishers of people. God has certainly given us a call. Like Jonah, we can be reluctant about it, and God will live with that. He will send us a whale and then say, okay, now a second time, let's try this. Or we can be like Simon and Andrew and James and John and say, yeah, this looks like a good deal. Let's do it. But I think what it is to be fishers of people is to gather community, establish those safety nets which hold people in place, and then announce that the kingdom has come. Amen.